Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. When you have it, say amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. <clears throat> and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, and Pontus in Asia, Phygia, uh, Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the part of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, we come before your presence again this morning, and we thank you for the blessings that we have received thus far. And now I pray that you open up our minds and open up our hearts so that we may be able to receive your word. Let your word find lodging within the hearts of your people and that your name will be glorified and also that we will be able to grow, that we will be able to become what you want us to be. For we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I'm going to ask you if you take your outline, and you should have received an outline. It's a blue paper that's in your bulletin. A blue paper that's in your bulletin. So if you will pull it out of your bulletin. These are the points that we're going to be covering now. We won't probably be able to cover all the points, but at least we'll be able to get into the first two. This morning we're dealing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. Last week and also the week, the week before, we dealt with verses 12 of chapter 1, clear to the end of the chapter in verse 26. And we brought out three points we brought out the last time, the last two times that we were together. We first brought out how in verse 12, in chapter 1, 
you find that Jesus told the disciples, he said to them, return to Jerusalem. Told them to return to Jerusalem until they received power from on high. That they were to stay there until they received the power, they received the energizing power from on high. And we brought out how the disciples were submitted. They were under submission to Jesus, under submission to God. And even though it wasn't a safe place to go, in the natural speaking, nevertheless, they still went to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. They went to Jerusalem to wait there until they received power from on high. They were submitted. Secondly, while they were up in the upper room and they were waiting for the promise of the Father, they had their very first business meeting. You remember that we brought that out. How they, all of a sudden Peter got up and he started quoting Old Testament scripture. And then he said, there is, we need to replace Judas the traitor. So we find that the second thing that we dealt with, we dealt with the suicide of Judas. We brought out how Judas committed suicide and how they needed to replace him. So Peter got up and he started quoting Old Testament scripture. And then they went ahead and they replaced Judas the traitor. They were two people that were chosen, appointed, and one of them was chosen. That two, two people that qualified, one of them was chosen to take the place of Judas the, the traitor. It was Matthias that was chosen. And then we also brought out how also uh, they selected them. And we brought out how they, in the Old Testament, they used, to, they used to draw, they used to cast lots to actually for the selection of the will of God. So we brought out those three things we brought out the last time we were together. This morning we're going to be dealing with three points. First of all, we're going to be dealing with the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we're going to be dealing with the effects, how it affected their lives and how it also has an effect upon our lives, and also the explanation that was given concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit and actually what was taking place, or what took place in that upper room. Now, we come to the study this morning in chapter 2, of the powerful experience that these disciples had, which was, the, which was actually made it possible for the miraculous to take place within the early church. In other words, the experience that they had in that upper room, what, that, that's what was responsible for the miraculous that took place in the early church. According to the World Christian Encyclopedia, there are in the world today some 51 million believers in Pentecostal churches who have actually experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That means that 51 million believers worship the way we worship, worship God this morning, where there's the manifestation of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are manifested in the service. Besides the Pentecostal believers and the Pentecostal churches, there's also 11 million more in other churches. 
who enjoy the, also the fullness and the blessings of the Holy Spirit and who actually speak in tongues. There are many other people that don't consider themselves Pentecostals. Many times they give themselves another label. They, say, they call themselves charismatic. But they have also have had the experience of receiving the baptism with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. Here in Acts 2, we find the fulfillment of two promises that Jesus made. And these verses that we're considering, they're exciting verses, and we find the fulfillment of two promises of Jesus. First of all, we find the fulfillment of the birth of the church. The very beginning of the church, we see it here in Acts chapter 2, where the disciples and Peter and the apostles were empowered and energized with the power of the Holy Ghost. And the promise that Jesus made was fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus promised, and he made this promise. Jesus said, I will build my church. You hear what he said? He promised, he declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means that Jesus is at work building his church. It's not the man, it's not man, it's not the, the responsibility of man to build a church. It is man is only an instrument and a channel of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it's God, the Holy Spirit, that is building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ through the instrumentality of man. Another promise Jesus also made, not only did he say, I will build my church, and, he, and, the, and it's for, it was fulfilled, it's fulfilled here in chapter 2, but also he made a promise, and he said, he promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. He promised the coming of the Holy Ghost. And there's much scriptures that we could use in the Gospels where Jesus spoke about the coming of of the Spirit. And in John chapter 14 and verse 16 and 17, he said, Jesus said, I will pray the Father. You notice he said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Isn't that beautiful? That the comforter is going to abide with us not only for a temporary season, but he's going to abide with us forever, even the spirit of truth. And then he also promised in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus said, ye shall be baptized, he told the disciples. He says, ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It was a prophetical utterance that Jesus told the disciples not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You're going to be baptized with the Spirit of God. So Jesus made two great promises that the church was going to be born. He also promised the believers that they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And these two events, we find a fulfillment of these two events right here in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Where the church is born and also they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, let us consider our first point. 
Let's consider the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We find it here in chapter 2. In the first four verses, we find the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not only the fulfillment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but also the evidence that they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now it says, and I want you to follow with me in verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There are two things I want to bring out here in this verse. First of all, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That means that something happened on the day of Pentecost. And also when the day of Pentecost came, the Bible tells us, Luke the historian tells us, that they were all in one place, all gathered in one place, in one accord. And they were all in the upper room. You remember that Jesus told them, go up into the upper room and wait there and don't depart from that upper room until you receive the power from on high. Jesus was actually telling them, what you're about to get involved in, man, it's not possible for man to be able to accomplish. What I have called you to do, you're not going to be able to do it in the energy of man, but it's only going to be accomplished through the power of God. So don't you even try. Don't even move. Don't do anything. Just stay in that upper room until you receive the power from on high. And that's what exactly what they did. And the power from on high came ten days later, the power from on high came. There was about, there was 120 of them. And it says on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, this was actually 50 days. It actually, 50 days after the Passover. That was the, the feast of Pentecost. And it was a big celebration that goes back into the Old Testament. It was a celebration, a feast, exactly 50 days after the Passover, which was also called the Feast of Harvest. And you find this in Leviticus 23. Later on, if you want to look, at, look it up, you find in Leviticus 23, it talks about the different feasts, and it talks about the Feast of Pentecost. And at this particular time, it tells us when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and also in one place. They were uni there was unity. They were one place and also there was unity. They were all united with one purpose to hear from God. You know, I, I just want to drop this footnote that when we come to church, we should also prepare our hearts. You know, you should come to church and say, I want to hear from God. I must hear from God. And could you imagine if everybody together within our assembly as we congregate together. Imagine if we were all in one accord, all of us together, and say we have come in to worship God and to hear from God. If there's singleness of mind and singleness of heart, then God will move and God has to move by his power. So they were in one place and also in one accord. And according to God's time clock, God is an all-knowing God 
He knows exactly when to move. And he chose that particular day, the day of Pentecost, when it was the Feast of Pentecost. And you'll know why. As we go on, you'll see why he happened to choose that day. And then it says in verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now when you read it in different commentators, you find that some commentators say that there was a big wind that came. That a big wind came and blew upon that room and filled that room completely. But there's also other commentators that say, no, it wasn't a wind, but it was like a wind. And I lean more towards uh, that interpretation because the Bible doesn't say it was actually a wind, but it tells us over here in verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It tells us as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, in the Bible, you always find that, that the Holy Spirit is described like a wind. There are many, many scriptures that when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, like the breath of God, or like even in the Old Testament, the dry bones of Ezekiel, and so many other scriptures that we have of God moving and coming and, and, and working miraculously, just like a, a, weep a wind sweeping through. And this is a description that we have here in the, upper, in the upper room. Now, in John chapter 3, and listen to Jesus as he speaks to and refers to, deals with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Would you turn to John chapter 3, verse 7 and 8? Tell me when you have it. I want to give you a chance to read it. John chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. We find Jesus dealing with Nicodemus. And you remember Nicodemus came by night, right? And he says, I want to know about this born again. How could you be born again, you know? And then Jesus was dealing with him. And then Jesus tells him, do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. And then he goes, this is what he says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Now, how many know that that's a description of the Holy Ghost? You cannot bottle the Holy Ghost. You cannot box in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost moves the way he wants to move. And he says, you hear the sound of it? But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And he says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We're trying to point out to Nicodemus was that when you're born of the Spirit, you're led, of the, you're led by of the Spirit of God. You don't, you don't dictate your life anymore. It's not your divine will, but it's the will of God accomplished within your life. And this is why even in the book of Acts you find Philip being like translated, Philip went out and he, he the, the Spirit of God would speak to the, his servant and he would go out and be preaching somewhere. And then all of a sudden he's translated away from that location and he's back in another location over here preaching somewhere else. See, it's the Spirit of God that leads us. We are in this, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit directs, the Holy Spirit leads, the Holy Spirit 
wants to direct our lives. If only we will let him. So over here in John, you find that he's talking to Nicodemus. Also, Luke brings out in Luke chapter 3 and verse 17, and you don't, you don't have to turn to that if you, if you desire. Just if you want to write it down, it's Luke chapter 3, verse 17. Here we find John's, the, John the Baptist prophesying. And if you want to turn to it, go ahead and turn to it. John chapter 3, verse 17. Some of you want to turn to it, so go ahead, go ahead and turn to it. It's there. John chapter 3, verse 17. John the Baptist is prophesying, and you notice that there was something else. In verse 3, listen to what it says in verse 3 first before we read the scripture. It says in verse 3 of, of chapter 2 of Acts, and then we'll come back to, to Luke. Okay, hold on to Luke. Could you do that? All right, let's, let's read Luke first. John the Baptist prophesied, I indeed baptize you with water, but one who is mightier than I is coming, who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. Now read verse 3 of chapter 2 of Acts. It says over here, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like what? Like as a fire, and it said upon each of them. You notice that? So there's two things that the Bible brings out. First of all, it brings out the wind, like a mighty rushing wind. And then it also brings out and describes that there was tongues like as a fire. Now again, it doesn't tell you it was actually a wind. It says like a mighty rushing wind, the sound of it. And then secondly, Tongues like as a fire that set on top each of them. Now I want you to picture it in your mind. Here they are in the upper room. And they're all waiting for the promise of the Father. You can imagine while they were sitting up in the upper room, they weren't just sitting fellowshipping with each other. They were worshiping God. Praying to God and worshiping God. And all of a sudden... At God's appointed time, there was a, a mighty sound that came and roared right in, like a mighty rushing wind, boom, right into that room. And as soon as that happened, the very next step is that there were tongues like a fire that all of a sudden appeared on top of their head. And then verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You can imagine if you could visualize that scene. You know what I visualize here? I visualize them up in the upper room. And all of a sudden, like an explosion took place, like an earthquake. Boom! Not only, not only was it heard inside, not only did it shake up that upper room, but even the people outside, the people that were there celebrating Pentecost, they also heard the commotion and they heard the noise. And as soon as they came, all of a sudden they beheld, and what did they see? They see a, a, a bunch of people, disciples of Jesus Christ and the apostles and all of them gathered together 
speaking in other languages and on top of their head was tongues like as a fire, something illuminating right on top of their head that they looked and they said, this is strange and this is something that is totally out of this world. And it caught the attention of all those people. Now, isn't it just like God? Now, what is the purpose of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The first place to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the very purpose of it is so that we could be a witness. To witness. Not only to, to have a bless me club, that's the problem that a lot of people have, is that they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all they want is a bless me club, a blessing, give me, 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 me. I, I want blessings. But the purpose of it was... Not for the, even though there's self-edification, but it's not only for self-edification, but the main purpose was so that he could raise up this band of disciples and these followers of Jesus Christ and that they could be a witness, a witness of his resurrection, a witness of his power, a witness of the miraculous of God. So let's read it again. It says over here, there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire is set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want you to understand that there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's different diverse kinds of tongues, the Bible tells us. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just the beginning you know, it's like a sign. And the Bible tells us that it's a sign to the unbeliever. It's a sign to the unbeliever. This is what actually happened in the day of Pentecost. It was a sign to the unbeliever that this, what we are witnessing here, we are witnessing the miraculous. This is not something that is natural, but we are witnessing the miraculous. But then there's also the gift of tongues. And this is what we heard this morning. Not everybody that has the baptism of the Holy Spirit actually brings messages in tongues. This morning we had somebody get up and speak in tongues, right? Because then you find in Corinthians, Paul begins to bring out to the Corinthians how the gifts of the Spirit should be handled within the church. And he gets into a whole area of speaking in tongues. And he says... If you speak in tongues in the, in the assembly, just like we heard today, he says, then you're speaking unto God and you're being edified, but everybody's listening and saying, well, I don't know what he's saying or she's saying. So there must be interpretation. So in, in an assembly, if you speak in tongues, just like we did this morning, somebody got up, I don't know who got up, but somebody got up and spoke in tongues. And as soon as they spoke in tongues, what did we do? Everybody stayed quiet because we recognized that there was a message that was coming. We stayed quiet. And as we stayed quiet, the reason why we stayed quiet is because we needed to hear the interpretation. Now, I wasn't blessed until I heard that interpretation. Unless it happens the way it happened, and it's happened in many cases, even in this day that we're living in, unless it happened the way it happened in the book of Acts. Now, in the book of Acts, what actually happened was they didn't actually need any interpretation, and I'll tell you why. Because when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they received 
automatically they received and they started speaking in different languages. Different languages that were actually understood by the people that were gathered there on the day of Pentecost. So you didn't actually need any interpretation. And even today it happens. I know of, of, uh, I know of testimonies today where somebody in a congregation starts speaking and starts speaking this person and nobody else knows what this person is speaking but the other person, there's a person there that comes from a foreign country and this person is speaking in the language of that person of the foreign country and God is speaking to that person. Then at the end of the service, that person goes over and says, man, did you know how to speak this language? And the person says, no. And he says, well, you spoke it fluently. I understood every word you said. You see, this is something that is even has happened in this day and hour that we're living in. But when we use tongues within the church, Corinthians tells us in the instructions that the Apostle Paul gives us, let there be an interpretation. But the tongues that were spoken, spoken, here in the book of Acts, you find that it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, now that's number one. Number two now, let's look at the reaction. In other words, we were able to see the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now let's take a look at the effect. What kind of effect did it have upon the people? disciples and the apostles, the effect that they had on them, they got bold. <laughs> Peter later stands up with the 11. You notice it says with the 11? Peter stands up, now, now there's a complete 12. Later on it says Peter stood up with the 11 and then he begins to proclaim and he begins to bring his very first message. Powerful message and we're going to be getting into that in the coming weeks. But he had the boldness and the unction that only comes from the Holy Spirit upon a person's life. But let's look at the effect that it had upon the people. Okay, it says over here in, in, in verse 5. Let's look at the effect. It says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when it says, you notice what it says? Devout Devoted men, devoted people out of every nation under heaven. That means that there were people, a whole lot of religious, religious people that came out for the feast of Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost. And could you see it in, in the mind of God? God chose the right day. What was the promise that Jesus gave to the disciples? He told, what was the commission that he gave them? He told the disciples, you shall be witnesses to me where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? Unto the uttermost parts of the world. Now I'm sure that for them, they must have said, us? Well, I haven't been any place but Jerusalem. Well, I haven't been any place but Galilee. See? And they must have said, well, how, how are we going to be a witness throughout the entire world? Well, do you know that it came even quicker than they ever even imagined? Right here, if you take a look at the scripture, you find 
that they were doing exactly that. They were witnessing the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ to people of all nationalities of all nations. It says over here, and these devout people that came, religious people out of every nation in heaven. In verse 6, now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together. You hear the multitude? They drew a crowd. The multitude came together and were what? Were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. That means if they were Chinese, there was somebody talking Chinese. There were some Spanish people, somebody was talking Spanish. Somebody was talking Hebrew, Aramaic. And you go into the, all the different, you know, different languages. Well, they were all talking, and, and uh, not actually talking, but they were praising and, and, and glorifying God. And all these people heard them in their very own language. And they were amazed and marveled. It says in verse 7, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how are here we every man in our own tongue wherein we, are, we were born? Now you notice that they refer to them as Galileans. Now the Galileans did not have the reputation of being scholars. I'll put it that way. Being a Galilean was like coming from Hickville. Hillbillies. Hivaros. Guajiros. Whatever you want to call it, you know. Well, country folk. Low-class folk. Yeah. This is the type of people. And, uh, and all these devout people from all these places, very religious people, said, well, that's a bunch of simple men, simple, a band of simple people. These are simple people. These are, not, these are uneducated people. These are not even scholars. And how in the world are they speaking in our own language? They marvel and they were amazed. And then the scripture tells us who was there. And it says, we all hear every man in our own tongue where we were born. And then in verse 9, listen to what it says. It says, Parthians were there, Medes, uh, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers, even of Rome, Jews, and proselytes as well, Cretes, and even Arabians. And it says, we do hear them speak in our tongue. And what did they hear them speak? Listen to what it says. Read it. The what? He, they heard them speak the wonderful works of God. So you see the picture? We're going to wrap it up right now. And then we'll go on. Later on, we'll go on to the uh, next week. We'll still stay on the effect because we're still going to be on the effect of it, of what kind of effect that it has. But listen, I want you to see the picture. And just wrapping this thing up this morning. Here they are. I want you to see it. It's just like God, the mentality of God. God tells them, don't go anywhere. You don't get out there and start speaking before you're told. You get up in that upper room. Just be there. Wait there. And they said, well, it's not a safe place to go back to Jerusalem. Why, in Jerusalem is where they killed you, Jesus. The enemies of Jesus are in Jerusalem. Just be quiet and go into that upper room and wait there. 
They got into the upper room and they stayed there. They were there for 10 days. I can imagine the first day, the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth, seven, eight, nine. Nothing happened until when? Until God's appointed time when the day of Pentecost had fully come. God had a divine plan. He says, I'm not going to send you anywhere right now, but I'm going to send all the people to you. I'm going to send people to you of all different nations. When they gather together in Jerusalem, then I'm going to make an, an, an ex exhibition and I'm going to reveal my power and I'm going to get a hold of you and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you're going to begin to speak in other languages and you are going to get their attention. And they, without a shadow of doubt, are going to have to recognize and realize that this is of God and not of man. See? See, that's the way the Spirit of God works. God knows the precise timing. If we follow God, if we follow God's leading, if we follow God's direction, He knows exactly what needs to be done at every moment in every situation because he is an all-knowing God. Now, whenever we get involved and we start taking things in our own hand, we begin to blunder things. Now, you can imagine they could have taken things in their own hands and begin to blunder, but they just waited. They were obedient. They followed the simple directions that were given to them. And then all of a sudden, these people were in amazement. They were in amazement. All these people were in amazement from all these different nationalities came and they were in amazement. They said, we hear them speak. This must be God. Then later on you find they, they, that Peter gets up later on. And you know what Peter did? Later on Peter got up and we're going to go into that a few weeks down the road. But Peter got up and Peter started preaching his first message. Now what a difference to preach under the anointing and not preach under the anointing. To pray under the anointing and not pray under the, under the anointing. To worship under the anointing and not worship under the anointing. It's a vast difference. To have a ministry that's energized by the anointing and a ministry that's not energized by the anointing. You know what happened to, to Peter? When he got up, his very first message, all these people that were there, you know what kind of results he got? After preaching his first message, his very first message, right after Pentecost, you know how many souls got saved? 3,000 souls came to the feet of Jesus Christ. 3,000 souls from all these places and all these different languages came and accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. And that was the very beginning of the church. How did the church begin? Miraculously. How did you get saved this morning? Miraculously. We are all, if you've been born again, we are all this morning living proof that Jesus is alive and well. Not only did he die, but he resurrected from the dead. He ascended up into the right hand of the Father, and he lives forevermore. He lives forevermore. You and I are a miracle this morning.
But in applying this message, we're not finished with it. We'll continue on next week. But in the application in, in applying this, I want to bring something out that it is so necessary for us to be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. You know what we have a problem? We take things in our own hands. That's what we do. You want to have an effective Christian life, and I want the musicians to come and make their way. If you want an effective Christian life, you want to be effective, then the only way you're going to be effective is when you permit the Holy Spirit to move the way he wants to move. And listen to me. Look at me right now. Don't look at the musicians. Look at me. You see them all the time. Look over here. Right now, I ask you the question. I ask you the question. Are you letting God move in your life the way he wants to move? You know how God moves in, in our lives? He moves through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come, not only take part of our lives, he wants to fill us. He wants to envelop us. He wants to, us to be overflowing in his divine presence. And if you want to experience the miraculous in the book of Acts, we're beginning this morning just to begin to see the miraculous begin to take place. And a church that is full of miracles taking place, witnessing miracles every day. The reason they were able to do it was because of the moving of the Holy Spirit within their lives. And this morning, I'll tell you, are you living just in the natural? Many of us, that's all we know is living in the natural. God wants to raise you from the natural into the supernatural. He wants to give you that victory over sin this morning. He wants to make you an overcomer. He wants to raise you up out of your depression. He wants to raise you up out of that, that place that you may find yourself in. He wants to elevate you and bring you into higher ground. But he wants you to put your trust in him this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you will, stand with me this morning. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.